And that's the beautiful thing. There's no one right way to lift women up. We need all of us and all of our unique skills and talents and passions. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and on the podcast today is Molly Galbraith. She is the author of the brand new book, Strong Women Lift Each Other Up, and co-founder of Girls Gone Strong, a worldwide health and fitness movement dedicated to helping women feel strong, confident, and empowered in their lives and in their bodies. In her brand new book, Strong Women Lift Each Other Up, Molly has created this beautiful, actionable guide to creating a better life for yourself and a better world with more opportunity for women and girls. And I really enjoyed sitting down with Molly for today's new episode because not only is she super vulnerable and honest in sharing her experience hitting her rock bottom and how she found her inner strength and self-worth, But she also is so candid about her experiences, comparing herself to other women and allowing herself to really move out of this space of scarcity and recognizing that when we walk into a room with other women, it's not about competing, but it's really about supporting and knowing that there is enough to go around for everyone. So you're going to love this episode. We talk about what it really means to lift each other up and how we can do so in both big and small ways and how really you can make such a strong and powerful impact just by being yourself. We talk about the connection between comparison and scarcity mindset and why comparison can actually sometimes be a good thing. Molly shares with us too her top tips for moving out of a space of scarcity. We talk about the magic of the ripple effect, which I think you guys are going to really love this part too, about how to discover and tap in to your own unique superpowers. I have a feeling you're going to listen to this part more than once. Molly also shares with us her biggest dream, what it really means to her today to live true to herself and so much more. So I don't want to spoil the conversation by any means, but I think the moment that made the biggest impact on me is when Molly talks about how Basically, every good thing in her life has come as a result of lifting other women up. And I think if we were to take a step back and think about that, it makes so much sense. It's about how can I support someone else in my life? How can I connect them? How can I be there for them? How can I see their opportunity as my opportunity as opposed to competing with one another? And I think the world is hard enough as it is without feeling like we are in a space of competition or comparison with one another. So you're going to really love today's new episode and Molly's perspective. But before we dive in to today's new episode, I am really happy to share with you that it is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is pretty cool because it will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's easy and free to change counselors if you don't think the person you're matched with is a good fit. This service is available for people worldwide too. Now more than ever, I think it's really valuable to talk to someone about what you're going through, whether that be anxiety, depression, grief, loss, anxiety about re-entering the world. I mean, BetterHelp offers a broad range, really, of expertise in their counselor network. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too. So here's the thing. I really want you to be able to live a happier, more joyful, and ease-filled life. 
That is why I continue to do this podcast and share these incredible conversations. And so I'm excited to share that as a listener of Seek the Joy podcast, you will get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash seek the joy. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash seek the joy. I'll also make sure to include the link in our show notes. As always, I would love it if you would join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. Let me know what you think about our new episode with Molly. Let me know that you are tuning in and whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Audible, wherever, make sure to hit follow so that you never miss an episode. And while you're there, if you can, leave us a five-star rating and review. Ratings and reviews really help the show get seen by new people. It shares with people what Seek the Joy podcast is all about because I don't know about you, but when I'm looking for a new podcast, I go straight to the reviews. So when you leave that review, take a screenshot and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I will send you a little something to say thank you, and it's always just such a fun way for us to connect outside of the show. Also, you probably know this by now, but we have Seek the Joy merch, t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs. They are so cute, and I am obsessed with those of you who have already gotten one and are taking photos and videos and posting them, and I'm reposting them. And you're just all so great and creative. And I'm so excited to finally share with you Seek the Joy merch. So the link to get the merch is in our show notes. If you have any questions, let me know if there's a design that's missing, like you want a hat or socks or something, just let me know and I will make it happen. At the heart of Molly's mission and her work is all about providing more opportunities for women and girls and making this a better, more supportive and inclusive world. So this is going to be so good. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Molly Galbraith. Molly, when I was starting to dig into your work and your book, which I'm so excited for people to learn more about and and to dig in, it's called Strong Women Lift Each Other Up. The title in itself really struck me because I find that often to lift others up, we have to start by lifting ourselves up. So I would love to start off by asking you, you know, how has lifting yourself up helped to change your life to help others in this way? And it might be a loaded question, but I would just love to start there because it really does, I think, start with lifting up ourselves. Yes. I love that you asked that question. It's because you're right. It is so important. And it's Mm -hmm. the reason that the first half of the book is so focused on that because I know so many women and myself included for many years wanted to support other women. We wanted deeper, more meaningful relationships. We wanted to feel happy when good things happen to other people or stop struggling with feeling jealous or comparing ourselves, but we didn't quite know how. And I think that that's the missing piece for a lot of women. So a little bit about my story. Mm -hmm. So for years I struggled. I actually opened the book talking about an experience with bullying when I was in middle school. I think a lot of us have had that experience, but really the interesting part was 
I was being bullied. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, another girl became the target. And instead of me being empathetic toward her, I jumped in and joined in on the bullying because I felt so um, relieved that the spotlight was kind of taken off of me. And so it was like this kind of really important lesson in my young little brain that was like, you know, only so many girls can be accepted, you know, to elevate yourself, you have to step on other girls and women. And so for many years, I struggled with everything from gossip, comparing my body to other girls and women, comparing my grades, my, you know, the boys that liked me or whatever, clothes, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, I was knee deep in like gossip magazines and reality TV and all those kinds of things. And then as I kind of had my own personal transformation in health and fitness, and I started working with women as a coach um, and helping them achieve their goals, I realized that it was something that I really enjoyed. And so um, the next couple of years, I kind of hit like a personal rock bottom in 2013 and realized like, okay, I'm done comparing myself to other women mm. and I'm done feeling jealous. I'm done feeling like, um, you know, other women are my competition. I want to like myself and get right with myself, regardless of what my body looks like or how much success I have or how much weight I can lift or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I want to feel good about me. And in doing that, I started to realize how my perception of not just myself, but of other women and how I wanted to help other women shifted and changed. Mm. I want to dig in a little bit to that rock bottom moment that you talked about, because I think we all have those where it becomes a catalyst for great change within ourselves, but then great change, I think, uh, with how we relate to others. You know, I I can't remember where I saw this, but we often have to balance doing the inner work that empowers ourselves with the outer work that then helps to empower others. So if you're open, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that, that rock bottom moment and and really how it served as that catalyst for you, because it really feels like it changed everything. It did. It was a huge turning point for me. So, um, again, got into health and fitness in like 2004, got Mm -hmm. in for the same reasons that a lot of women do is because I wanted to change the way that my body looked. And I started dating a guy at the gym who was a personal trainer, bodybuilder, powerlifter. So I was thrust into this world of intense exercise very quickly. Um, and I soon started competing. So I was competing in figure competitions, which is kind of like a mix between bikini and bodybuilding where you restrict your food significantly. You exercise a lot, you get very lean, and then you stand on stage, um, next to other women and have your literally have your body compared to them and judged and, you know, things like that. So I did that for several years and the attention and affirmation I got for the changes in my body were so intoxicating. All of a sudden I felt like people liked me. I was beautiful. I was getting attention. You know, I, uh, like all of the things that I had craved and wanted my whole Mm -hmm. life, the attention, Mm -hmm. the affirmation, the love, um, I was getting it. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, the, like, this is the way to do this, right. Is to have my body look this particular way. And so after I competed a couple times, I, um, ended up being diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune thyroid disease, PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome and adrenal issues. So long story short, my body weight fluctuated back up significantly. And suddenly the attention and affirmation was ripped ripped away. away Yeah. Ripped away. And so that was around 2009. So I was like, okay, well, if I can't be really lean, then I'm going to be really strong. And I started competing in powerlifting, which is a strength Mm -hmm. sport. Um, and so it was about what my body could do. Right. And Mm -hmm. I didn't see it at the time, but I was like, okay, well, if I can't be really lean, I'm going to be really strong. So then I started powerlifting. Then I started getting a lot of attention and affirmation for how strong I was and, um, things like that. So I did that for several years and beginning of 2012, um, I found out that, uh, my dad died unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. 
he, I found out he was sick on a Saturday and he died on Tuesday. Wow. And, um, a couple weeks later, I injured myself in the gym working out and started having chronic pain. And about eight months after that, I left a six-year relationship and I left the home and the business that we had together. And as you can imagine, my nutrition and exercise were not my number one priority at that point in time. No, so no. my weight fluctuated back up. But by this point, this was years later, I owned a gym. I had more of an online presence. Um, I you know, had a YouTube channel, all this kind of stuff. People were um, commenting like, what's wrong with your body? Why does your body look like that? Um, a woman in my uh, community told other women not to come to my gym because they might look like me. Mm. And a male colleague of mine stood in my office at a conference that we were hosting and he was a guest and he made fun of my body to our team. Wow. And it was very devastating. And at that point in time, I'd already co-founded Girls Gone Strong. And so I, um, I was at a Girls Gone Strong event and went to the bathroom and decided to step on the scale. I didn't have a scale at my house and I weighed myself and I realized my weight had fluctuated all the way back up to where it had, where it was about when I got started in 2004. Mm -hmm. So my weight of, in my mind at the time, I've regained all my weight. I'm in chronic pain. I can hardly move. I can hardly tie my shoes without, um, being in pain. Um, you know, my colleagues are making fun of me, the, mm. my community is making fun of me. The internet is making fun of me. It was just a really horrible, horrible, devastating time. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get my body back. That's the solution. I'm going to diet and get, you know, get lean. And so hired a coach and he gave me my nutrition plan and I would take pictures of myself in a bathing suit and send it to him. And he would adjust my plan. And I remember one week I sent him some pictures and it was very similar meal plan. It was like chicken and, you know, broccoli and avocado and rice, whatever. And one day he took my avocado away and I lost it. And I'm like, do I want to live my life sending pictures of myself to some guy three states over so he can tell me I can't eat avocado? Mm -hmm. Like, is this what my life is? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is not what I want for myself. And so it was at that moment that I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to diet like this anymore. I'm not going to let what other people think of me and my body um, impact my own self-worth. I want to like myself and feel good about myself regardless of how I look or how much I can lift or what people say about me or what my, my, you know, my colleagues have to say. And so that kickstarted this really powerful kind of journey for me for the last eight years about... Yeah you know, getting to a place where I feel good and comfortable with myself and then helping other women do the same. Mm. It's so interesting because I think especially when we're growing up as little girls or just women in society in general, our self-worth often hinges on what other people think of us. And the way in which we define ourselves, define our worth, see ourselves in the world is dependent on the three things you mentioned, attention, affirmation, and love. And for me, it's been a lifelong journey of realizing, no, my self-worth is actually dependent on who I am as a person, how I feel about myself, and has nothing to do with what anybody else thinks about me. And I think there's such an interesting comparison or connection, I think is the word, between that element of self-worth comparison and scarcity mindset. 
which I know you talk about in the book. And I would love to dig into that a little bit and dive in because I think, you know, we often grow up comparing ourselves, comparing our body, comparing the attention we're receiving versus another girl in our class or in high school or whatever it might be. Um, And then it trickles down into our businesses, into our jobs, our friendships, our relationships. So if we can, I would love to talk about this connection, I think, between comparison and scarcity mindset. For anyone that's new to this kind of a conversation, what is scarcity mindset? Um, and how do we like even find ourselves in it? Yeah, great question. So in the book, like you said, I talk a lot about scarcity mindset and the comparison mm-hmm. trap, and they are very closely linked. So scarcity mindset can show up in a lot of ways for a lot of different people, um, but it's this ultimate feeling of not enoughness. I'm not enough there isn't enough. There's not enough to go around. If someone has something, there's less left for me. So it can be, I'm not pretty enough, thin enough, lean enough, smart enough, successful enough. I'm not a good enough parent. I'm not doing enough in the world. I am not enough. I'm lacking in some way and Mm -hmm. someone else has more than me. And then the comparison trap is when we are consistently comparing our life, our body, our kids, our clothes, our vacation, our homes, our success to other women, or when we are comparing ourselves to previous versions of ourselves. So it's like, I got to get back to my pre-baby body, you know, my wedding weight or whatever the thing is, where I was so much happier or thinner or whatever then, or we compare ourselves to a future version. So I'll be happier when, right. Mm -hmm. I'll be happier when I, you know, get in, in, in a relationship, when I get the promotion, when I make more money, when my body looks this particular way. And so, you know, as social creatures, it makes sense that we compare ourselves and are kind of trying to hierarch where we are and figure out, you know, where we measure up. And so I always want to be careful when I talk about this idea of comparison, because Mm. there are some ways in which comparison can be a really good thing. So good. Yeah. I want to go out for a particular job. Like I need to know what the people who I'm applying, you know, who are also applying for that job, I need to know what their education is and what their experience is and what they've done. You know, that makes sense. If I want to place in a certain category in an athletic event, I need to know what other people are lifting or how fast they're running or whatever that thing is. If I want to reach a certain level of success in my business, it would be really helpful to say, okay, what is this person doing? What am I doing? Where is the gap? And there's a series of questions that I, that I give people to ask in, in the book to figure out if that's what they actually want. But if it is what they want, then you can say, okay, you can reverse engineer. What has this person done to gain this level of success? But the problem is when we use that comparison to, to go down this spiral of I'm not good enough. They're better than me. There's never going to be enough for me, you know, things like that. So when we, it's a difference in using comparison to beat ourselves up and to, and to spiral into negative self-talk, which is really common versus using that comparison as a tool mm-hmm. or a compass for mm-hmm. how we can actually get better and improve. And so scarcity mindset and, and the comparison trap impacts so many women, especially with the prevalence of social media. It's easier than ever to go down a rabbit mm-hmm. hole of, mm-hmm. you know, looking at women whose bodies you envy, or even maybe looking at your partner's ex-girlfriend and everything that she's ever done, right? It, it's never been easier to access yeah. um a highlight reel of people that we can compare ourselves to looking for proof that we don't measure up. Mm. I love that you said that essentially sometimes comparison can be really useful. And I think that's important because often we talk about comparison as being this really bad thing that we can get trapped in. So I love this distinction of when comparison can be useful, when it serves us versus when it doesn't. And it's when we're starting to tap into that element of scarcity is really when comparison starts to 
not service at all. So when we start to find ourselves in that space of scarcity, of comparing ourselves in that way, what can we do? Is Do you have any, I know you share this in the book, but any tips or tricks or things that we can share with people of, all right, I'm in this scarcity mindset. I'm comparing myself in a not so positive way. What can I do to sort of get out of it? Yeah. So I do give a lot of tools. So the book is very, it's very much a, a, a book that you do, right? It's mm-hmm. not a book that you read. There are so many different yeah. tools in there, but like acutely in the moment, one of the best things that you can do is notice and name how you're feeling. So it's impossible to change anything. If, if we can't, if we are, if, we don't have 100%. the awareness about it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so noticing it and then naming it is, is naming how you're feeling. So there's evidence to suggest that naming how we're feeling actually helps reduce the intensity of the emotion and creates a little bit of space between us and that emotion so that we can decide how to respond instead mm-hmm. of react. And if it's okay with you, I would love to share a real-time story of yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. The last, the last several weeks, well, I guess it's, it's gosh, time is, I can't even keep, keep time. I know, sharing, I know. It was, it was about <laughs> a month or two ago when I would actually found myself mm. kind of starting to go down into the scarcity mindset stuff as it relates to this book. And I'll share the steps that I took to pull myself out of it. Yeah, please. So year and a half ago when I, or gosh, again, yeah, almost two years ago now when I submitted my book proposal. So for folks who aren't familiar with writing a nonfiction book, you write a book proposal. If you have an agent, they submit it to publishers. Publishers decide if they want to meet with you, you meet with them, and then they decide if they want your book or not. So pretty straightforward process. Mm -hmm. So we submitted my book proposal to a number of publishers and we had meetings with them. And my agent said, you know, there were a couple of publishers who said that they weren't interested in meeting with you because there was another, uh, a really big name, a really big name submitted a book proposal a couple weeks before yours, which means wow. that her book would be coming out about the same time as mine. And he said it was about a somewhat similar topic. And so they weren't interested because they felt like there was already going to be something out about that time. And I was like, oh, okay, I didn't think much of it. So about a year, year and a half passes, we're about two or three months away from my book coming out in March. Mm -hmm. And I start to see all of these ads and all of these things about this book called Believe It by a woman named Jamie Kern Lima. And over time, I started to realize like, oh, okay, it's her book. So her book book is about... Yeah. Her book is about believing in yourself. And, you know, she talks a little bit, it's a lot about overcoming self-doubt and kind of her own story. And, and so I started doing like kind of looking into her, it's like, oh, she started it cosmetics. She sold her company to L'Oreal for $1.2 billion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's obviously very wealthy, very successful. And I start noticing like, oh no, okay. So this woman objectively has a lot more money than I do. I see that, you know, she has a blurb from Glennon Doyle and she's going to be on Ellen DeGeneres and Tony Robbins. And it's just kind of this spiral of like, okay, Mm -hmm. you missed, like quote unquote, missed out on opportunities. Like people, they literally did not talk to me about my book proposal because of this person. So it's a very objective fact, right? It is objective that she has more money and all these kinds of things. So I kind of start going down this like, oh my gosh, like her book, it's going to do so well. And like, what if people aren't in my book? So mm-hmm. I kind of find myself going on to, I'm yeah. not you know, as successful as her. I'm not as connected as her. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that. So start kind of going down that comparison trap and scarcity mindset. So I had to pause and mm-hmm. I had to ask myself a couple of questions. So first I had to notice and name how I'm feeling. And I said, okay, I'm noticing that I'm going down this. I'm feeling envious mm-hmm. of this person. I'm feeling a little, you know, I'm feeling a little worried or I'm feeling like I'm not good enough. So I noticed and named how I was feeling. And then I said, okay, why am I feeling this way? That was the next question. Why am I feeling this way? The answer is very clear because I think her book is going to do well 
It's going to reach and impact a lot of people. And I really want mine to do that too. I want to have an impact Mm -hmm. with my book. I want to reach a lot of women. Okay. So then the next question is like, do I believe that her book doing well means that my book can't do well? And the answer is no. Mm -hmm. Do I believe that one woman having success means there's less success left for me? And the answer to that is no. Do I, do I believe that one woman having success actually helps pave the way for other women to have success? The answer to that is yes. And do I want to be a strong woman who lifts other women up? And the answer to that is yes. So then I flipped the script even more and I said, okay, Mm -hmm. what could be, what could be good about her book doing well? What could be really good selfishly, even for me, right? Well, if more women believe in themselves, then they might be in a place where they want to be a strong woman who lifts other women up. Maybe my book wouldn't have even registered with them before. Maybe if people who buy her book are also buying my book, then Amazon will start recommending them together. Maybe my book will get on her radar and she will, you know, say something nice about it, or she and I will eventually develop a friendship. So what is good about this? And then I said, okay, who do I want to be in this world? Because I believe that every action we take is a vote in favor of who we want to be. Mm. And so I'm like, what actions can I take? So I bought a copy of her book. I bought a hard copy of her book. I bought an audio copy of her book. I started following her on social media and I started commenting positively on her stuff in support of her. Because I know that every single one of those actions is a, is a message to the universe of like, this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be. And this is how I'm going to show up for other women. And this is what I'm going to do. This is such a powerful story. I'm so grateful that you shared it because I think it, two things came to mind. One is when you were talking about why am I feeling this way? It goes back to something you talk about in the book about how as women we're taught that there are very few seats at the table. There's very little room. So if we're competing for one or two spots, of course we feel like we have to compete or compare ourselves. But the truth is, is I love what you said. Her success, it means we're paving the way for someone else's success, for my success, for your success, et cetera. That is such a powerful message. I also love what you said that every action you take is a vote towards who you want to be. And do you want to be a strong woman that lifts other women up? Or do you want to feel trapped in that level of scarcity or comparison or jealousy or whatever other emotion, you know, is kind of brought to the service by this sort of interaction? You talk about in the book about something called a ripple effect. Does this have to do with the ripple effect? Because it feels like it does. It's like you lift one person up and does it go to another? I mean, I just love this concept. Thank you for sharing that story, by the way. Just so beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. I thought it was super helpful because it's Mm -hmm. like you can write a book about this stuff, right? But it doesn't mean that it doesn't impact you. Mm -hmm. It just means that, you know, I'd say it definitely happens to me less than it did, but I just now have the tools for how I can navigate and respond. Mm Because previously I would have, you know, again, 10 years ago, gone down the spiral of all the reasons she shouldn't be having success, right? Yeah. And ultimately it would not like the last eight years, every good thing in my Mm. life has come from lifting women up and being lifted up by other women. And that's where that ripple effect comes in. So the ripple effect is this idea that every action we take again has a, a ripple effect that we often can't even see. And these things sometimes come to fruition five, 10, 15 years, you know, down the road that we don't even realize. Like in the book I share, a story of a massage therapist who I started working with when I was, gosh, 19, when I first got into health and fitness. And she was just the most 
kind, loving woman who spoke so positively about other women. And mm-hmm. I had never heard that before. She never said anything negative. She never gossiped. I'd never been around someone who just had such a deep love and affection for women. She didn't know when she was doing her massage therapy work and just literally being herself that she was planting a deep seed in mm-hmm. me to become a strong woman who lifts other women up. She, it wasn't even anything totally out of the ordinary. It was just her being herself. So this idea of the ripple effect is that if we were to lift up, say one week, we were to lift up two women in some way. And I give lots of tangible, actionable ways to lift women up in the book, but And the next week, those two women lifted up two other women. And then the next week, those two women lifted up two other women. Within 10 weeks, 2,046 women Mm. would have been lifted up by that one small kind of spark or action that you took. And so I want, I think that, again, a lot of us want to do these things, but we either, we don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. We feel like we're just one person, so our impact won't matter, or we often feel are afraid of criticism or Mm -hmm. have been criticized for what we're doing or not doing. And so with the book, I really wanted to give women the to-dos. I mean, there are dozens of ways from very small that take almost no time, energy, or effort all the way up to, you know, really big, powerful things you can do to lift women up. So there's something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And then I share the ripple effect that you can see like, Hey, one kind word that you share with someone else, one, you know, woman owned business that you buy from and recommend one woman that you write an endorsement for on her Yelp or her Facebook page or whatever the thing is one, you know, student that you, you know, invest into and, and lift up in some way can go on to create these massive, powerful ripple effects, which again, I share lots of examples of that in the book. So I just, the, the takeaway for women is that it, you don't have to be doing these grandiose acts, you know, that take an enormous amount of time and resources and money it can be these small things and they can ripple into these really powerful effects that sometimes you never even, you know, know the ultimate impact. Sometimes it's really cool when you get to yeah. hear, you get to hear years later, yeah. um, how you impacted someone else, but I just want women to know how powerful they are. It is so powerful what you just shared too, because it really, it is about planting a seed and you have no idea, you know, the effect of you sharing your truth or your experience or just being there to help someone else can really have that lasting impact. And, you know, something I wanted to ask you is what does lifting women up really look like in practice? But it sounds like this is what it is because often we see the hashtag of like, women empowering women, women supporting women, but you know, what does it really look like? And to me, this sounds like this is really what it is. It's about the small acts or things you can do. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be huge. It can just be something small you do every day to, to support another woman, which is, I think in turn supporting yourself. It really is. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a coach, but I consider myself to be a person who helps women get from where they are now to where they want to be. So, so much of what we do at Girls Come Strong Mm -hmm. and so much of what I did with this book is rooted in this idea of behavior change psychology. So how do we actually get people to do the thing that they want to do or that we want them to do, right? Like for example, we know eating a lot of vegetables is really important. And we know drinking a lot of water, is really important. People still struggle with it. So why do they struggle? How do we get them to go from knowing to doing? And so that's what my book is about walking people step-by-step through that, which is why. So the first half of the book is about getting right with yourself because that's laying the foundation so that mm-hmm. you can become a strong woman who wants to lift other women up. So removing those barriers. And then the second half of the book are the actionable steps to take. And it was very intentional that chapter seven started with small but mighty ways because there are Mm -hmm. so many ways to lift women up 
Yeah. From giving them a genuine compliment to, you know, all the way up to being Oprah or, you know what I mean? Like starting a mentorship or, you know, whatever these different things are investing, you know, being a venture capital investor. Right. But that's going to feel out of um, reach for a lot of people. So the whole point of the book was to start off. So that in chapter seven, we share eight small, but mighty ways that you can lift women up that don't take a lot of time, money, resources, network, platform influence. Cause the last thing I wanted was for people to get to the end of the book and say like, either I'm inspired and excited, but I don't know what to do or mm-hmm. must be nice for you, Molly. I don't have that. I don't have a company, you know, I don't have a, a, a a platform or I don't have connections like that. I wanted every single person to be able to walk away from this with those things to do. So chapter seven is the small, but mighty ways. Chapter eight is all about the powerful ways that you can use your voice to lift women up. Mm -hmm. Chapter nine is all about discovering your unique superpowers. Cause I believe every single one of us has superpowers. And again, it's not a raw, raw, like I believe in you. It's like a, okay, let's break this down. What's your top value? You know, what skills and talents do you have? What resources do you have access to? What do you love to do? Like, let's actually figure out what this looks like. And then chapter 10 is all about playing the long game and, um, and being a role model because that's the thing, whether you know it or not, you are a role model. Women and girls are watching. They're taking cues from you and what you're doing. And you have an opportunity to really make a powerful lasting change in that way. And some of us are going to be more well-equipped to do certain things than others. For example, I don't, time is my scarcest resource at this moment. Mm -hmm. I don't volunteer a lot of my time so that I don't beat myself up for not being able to lift women up in that way. My sister, on the other hand, works part-time and stays at home with my niece. She volunteers at Kentucky Refugee Ministries Mm -hmm. a couple days a week because she's bilingual and can help translate English to Spanish for folks who are trying to resettle in Kentucky. That's an amazing use of her time and her skills and her passions. I can't be upset with myself because I don't do that. And she can't be upset with herself that she doesn't do what I do because we're different, right? And that's the beautiful thing. There's no one right way to lift women up. We need all of us and all of our unique skills and talents and passions. I mean, the, in the conclusion, I talk about like the reason that we got here today is because women marched and donated and protested and invented yeah. and hired and played sports and, you know, did research and like made beautiful art and music and, you know, taught and role modeled. Like we need all of those things to create the kind of change that we want to create in the world. So I want women to walk away from the book feeling that they're powerful, that they know what to do, and then they can ultimately make a lasting difference in their own life and their communities and in the world through lifting one up. You know, my biggest takeaway from what you just shared is that really there is nothing that you can do that is too small. And I think as women or as just people in general, and I have felt this certainly over the last year, I'm always wondering, am I having a big enough impact? Am I doing enough? You know, there are so many things I want to do, would wish I had more time to do, but you're right. I mean, the time that we spend either beating ourselves up or giving ourselves a hard time for what we feel like we're not doing could be channeled towards what we can do and what we have um, available to us as either or a resource or a strategy or, you know, something at our disposal. I love this concept though of superpowers. And it sounds like your superpowers are really comprised of your values, uh, what you're interested in, your passions, your time, because I think you're right. Time is the greatest resource um, and not many of us have enough of it. If there's a woman 
or anyone listening to this and they're like, okay, I want to tap into what my superpowers are. Mm -hmm. Where's a good place for them to start to start to tune into, okay, what are my values? What are the things that are important to me? What are my superpowers in that way? Yeah. I would love to talk about that. I do want to, just a moment ago, you talked about this, this idea of, am I doing enough? Mm -hmm. So I talk about in that, in the playing the long game, the last Mm -hmm. chapter that, um, or being a role model playing the long game in chapter 10, this concept of like humans love, you know, 14 day quick fixes and 30 day challenges, right? We do. It is is so hard to be like, well, I'm on this train for the next 40 years. I mean, that just feels like so overwhelming and exhausting, right? Yeah, so true. But what we know is that small things done consistently over time yield significantly greater results than, you know, going hot and heavy or whatever for a few days and then quitting. So I live by this paradox of always enough, never enough. And it's this idea that the work that I'm doing is always enough and it is also never enough. Mm -hmm. And so the always enough gives me peace and the never enough keeps me hungry Mm -hmm. because there's so much work to do. There are so many people who need help in the world. There are so many people who need lifted up and you know, we are no good to ourselves or anyone else. If we are just constantly, again, feeling like this you know, I'm, I'm not measuring up in some way, right? That's just another way to tell ourselves we don't measure up. So every day I go to bed saying I did my best. It was enough. And I've got more to do tomorrow. And it's just this like really powerful paradox that has given me peace, but also, um, kept me, you know, hungry enough to keep going and keep Mm -hmm. striving for the next thing. And so that's always been really powerful for me. Um, And when it comes to superpowers, I, again, in the end of chapter nine within the book, I give you a chart and I ask you all these different questions. So I say, okay, what's your top value, which I help you identify your top values in chapter five. So way to identify top values would be asking yourself things like, you know, when am I the happiest? What am I doing? Um, When am I in flow? Like, when do I feel like I'm really, you know, like coming into my own, like asking yourself kind of some of these questions and identifying those and then reading through a list of values and then breaking them down and saying, okay, these are my 25 top values. Okay. Then these are my 10 top values. Okay. Then these are my five. And it's, it's hard as you start to get into like the 10, the five, Mm -hmm. the three, but eventually I get you within the book to work down to your top three values and not just get your top three values, but then compare them against each other to rank them. Cause there are going to be times when you have to make difficult decisions in your life, your business, your Absolutely, relationships, yeah. where those there's competing commitments there. There's, there's a little bit of conflict there, right. Between, you know, family and finances or, you know, courage and making a difference or whatever the thing is, you're going to have to test those against each other. So then you, you rank them and then you start reality testing them and you say, Hey, if I told my friends and family, these are my top three values, like, would that resonate with them? Like unprompted, would they say that? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. If I had to make a decision that stayed true to my values, but it put me in the minority or made other people upset with me, would I still want to make that decision? Would I still feel good with that decision? So you really like, you put those through the, through the ringer and you Mm -hmm. say, okay, yep, these are it. These are my top three values. And this is how I'm going to, you know, ranked in order one, two, three. And then again, later in chapter nine, start asking more questions. Okay. Here, um, here's a list of resources. How much of these do you have? How much time do you have? How much influence do you have? 
How much financial resources do you have? How much of a platform or a network do you have? You know, some people, for example, might have a big platform on social media, you know, but maybe they don't have a lot of time or someone else mm -hmm. might have zero social media presence, but they might be really well connected to important movers and shakers and decision makers whose ear that they have that they could recommend things to. So everyone's going to have different resources. Who are you passionate about helping? Is it women in your community? Is it, you know, women who are younger than you? Is it women who are older than you? Is it women who are, you know, a part of a particular marginalized community? Like who, who do you want to help? And then I kind of walk you through all those steps and then you create your superpower statement to talk mm -hmm. about who you are, what your values are, sorry, who you are, what you want to do, who you want to help, and what value of yours that serves. I love this. Thank you for sharing all this because I think it comes back to values and also knowing that, you know, just by being yourself, you have an impact. And I keep going back to what you shared about this massage therapist when you were 19, that she really had no idea the impact she was having on you, you know, just by being herself in that moment. So I want to ask you this question that keeps popping up in my brain. And it's, uh, what does it mean for you to just really truly be yourself to, um, live true to yourself, you know, maybe in a similar way that this massage therapist was when you were 19, but what does that mean for you today? Mm, that's a good question. So for me today, living true to myself means making decisions based on my values, which mm -hmm. should be no surprise. My top value is making a difference. Um, my number two is integrity. And my number three is resilience. So when I am making decisions based on those, and when I am living in those things, I am definitely my happiest. Mm -hmm. um, I would say living true to myself is also making de making decisions based on those values versus what other people want me to do as the leader of Girls Gone Strong, of this global community of over a million women, we have a lot of folks who often want to share their opinions about things they think we should be doing or shouldn't be doing. Um, and so I have to make a lot of really difficult decisions and deal with, you know, the feedback or the backlash or the disappointment that comes with that. So I would say living true to myself is living according to my values and making sure that what I think and what I say and what I do aligns with who I want to be in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's taken a lot of time. It's taken the retraining of my brain that I talk about in the book. It's taken the yeah. curating of my environment that I talk about in the book. And that environment is everything from who I spend time with to what my social media feed is filled with to the shows that I watch and the books that I read. And so I think it's knowing my values, making decisions based on my values, and then making sure that, that what I'm thinking and doing and saying is aligned with, um, with who I want to be in the world. Mm. You know, this brings me back to Girls Gone Strong and the mission behind it. And I know we've talked a little bit about it, you know, throughout our conversation, but I feel like, and I'm thinking about the timeline of your story and when Girls Gone Strong started to become part of it, has it really helped you to maybe solidify those values for yourself or solidify your sense of purpose or passion in the world? Um, because I think it came into your life, right? before or after that rock bottom moment, but definitely I think you express this in the book for sure that you had moments where you're like, I'm leading this organization, like with <laughs> everything I'm going through. So I'm curious, you know, how has it helped you solidify or um, confirm for you, you know, your sense of purpose and, and values in the world? Mm -hmm. So Girls Come Strong started in 2011. So I got into mm -hmm. fitness in 2004. Girls Come Strong started in 2011. Um, and I enjoyed, you know, helping women and lifting women up. But I think honestly, in the beginning, a lot of it was, um, was very much about like, 
you know, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of, I liked yeah. being on social media. I liked, you know, sharing my accomplishments with other people. I liked, you know, helping inspire them to be strong, but I, it was all very kind of nebulous, right? I didn't have like this very solid foundation of what I want to do. And Girls Gone Strong over the last 10 years has evolved from, you know, a Facebook page and a website that talks mm-hmm. about women and strength to the world's largest platform, providing evidence-based interdisciplinary health, fitness, nutrition, and pregnancy education for women and the professionals who work with them. And the reason that we provide that education is because we believe when women feel strong, confident, and empowered in their lives and bodies, that we can change the world. So health and fitness is the vessel through which we help women feel strong, confident, and empowered so they can change the world. So it's not just about squats and protein, right? It's Mm -hmm. about like, it's about like liberating women and giving them again, that confidence and empowerment to be who they, who, who we know they can be and to make the kind of difference that they're here to make. So girls gone strong now every day allows me to just be so radically clear on how I should be spending my time and on who I want to help and on what I want to do. And it's been this like really amazing kind of symbiotic thing where GGS has given me what I need and I've given, been able to give Mm -hmm. GGS what it Mm -hmm. needs. And it's been this really beautiful um, relationship that, you know, I've been able to help lead the organization along with my partner, Casey and lead the movement of women but it has really gifted me so much in return and has given me that really priceless steadfastness Mm -hmm. that the way that I spend my time and what I do is aligned with that value of making a difference and is ultimately um, helping change the world. I love what you shared that the more you've poured into it, the more it's poured into you. And this feels like such a good um, lesson or moment for people of, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to create, it's going to be refined and developed as you continue to refine and develop. So just get started, you know, just dive in. You have no idea how you're going to evolve and how what you've created or what you're passionate about is really going to evolve with you too. Yeah. I think, you know, one of my biggest strengths. And also, I guess it could be called a weakness is, um, <laughs> is just jumping in with no idea what, what I'm doing. Right. It's like, I, I it's resonate. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I had the audacity and the naivete to be like, I'm going to start this, you know, well, with six other women, but like, we're going to start this thing called girls gone strong. I'm like, I'm going to start posting, you know, stuff about my fitness on Facebook. Like I was doing that, you know, 17 years ago or whatever to what 12 years ago. And people were like, who's this, mm-hmm. what is this, you know, woman, why is she sharing what she's doing for her workouts and like what, you know, her nutrition <laughs> and stuff like that. And so, but I was just kind of like, I want to do this. Like, okay, let's go. And like, I remember when I first got on Facebook, I started randomly friend requesting all of the, um, like leaders in the fitness industry, mm-hmm. not like for no other reason. I was just like, I want to be friends with that person, but it wasn't like a plan. And it wasn't like, I didn't even message them to be like, hi, I'm Molly. And I'd like, I just, you literally just sent like, through the request. <laughs> just did it. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, so much of, um, of what has come to be what it is today started because I, uh, just, yeah, I was again, audacious and naive enough to be like, I want to do this thing. I'm going to do it. Right. And mm-hmm. then kind of 
figure it out later, which um, the bigger the organization gets and the more people you're responsible for, the less of a strength I think that becomes at times. Things have to shift a little bit at that point, but thank goodness you had that audacity and that naivete to just dive in and jump in because I'm sure if you started to overthink it, you, you may not have done what you've done. So mm-hmm. thank goodness for that. It's definitely a strength. And then I think it, it, refi- it refines itself a little bit over time. Yeah. For sure. And you find yeah. people who are different than you mm-hmm. who can complement your skill sets, Absolutely. which I've been able to do with my partner, which is mm-hmm. very, very useful. I love it. You know, I have so enjoyed this conversation with you. I think what you've created, not only with Girls Gone Strong, but also with your new book, Strong Women Lift Each Other Up is a really powerful message. And you're right. The book is really like a, a like a guide filled with resources and tips and tools. And um, I've really enjoyed digging into it. Uh, before we go, I want to ask you though, the question I ask everybody uh, that comes on Seek the Joy podcast. And that is, what is your biggest dream? Mm. I think my biggest dream would be to live in a world where all women and girls get the success and opportunities they need to thrive and succeed and to live in a world where women believe they're enough just as they are and they're happy to see other women succeed and to live in a world where there's equitable representation of women in all the important places where decisions are made. Hmm, that's beautiful. You know, I think the more that we share our stories and our experiences and our perspectives and uh, work to lift ourselves up, which then in turn lifts lifts other women up, I think we're gonna get we're gonna get there. I think we're getting closer um, as time goes on. Molly, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation and for coming on Seek the Joy podcast. Where can everybody find you? Connect buy the book, uh, and, uh, and learn more. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You've asked such great questions and oh, I just, thank you. yeah, really appreciate it. Um, so best place to get the book, uh, you can find it all at all major retailers. If you just look up strong women, lift each other up. But if you go to mollygalbraith.com forward slash book, we have a list of all the retailers, including international retailers. So it's currently available in I think six or seven countries. So that's great. And then they can connect with me on Instagram at the Molly Galbraith. And then if they are looking for the resources related to Girls Gone Strong, so we've got tons of health, fitness, nutrition, and pregnancy related articles, free courses, certifications, coaching, all that stuff, they can go to girlsgonestrong.com. Perfect. Everything will go in the show notes. We'll make it so easy for everyone to connect with you and learn more. And I think if I could sum up my biggest takeaway from this conversation is that your life really changed the moment that you started to lift other women up. And it became sort of this um, light inside of you that propelled you forward. And this book and your journey, I think, is really about helping other women to decide for themselves what lifting other women up really looks like for them, because it's going to look different for all of us. So Molly, thank you so much again for this conversation. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. 